Demons Discuss, take 37, the one with the freezer. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. And what's our topic, Jean? It's that chapter. What chapter? Sniffle, sniffle. sad chapter. Oh. Do you want to explain our uh, title so people can understand what that is? Yes. Well, since since this is a sad chapter that even makes Deb cry, we've decided to call it The One with the Freezer. And you ask, why the freezer? Why the freezer? (laughs) Because that's where Joey puts the books if he's afraid it's going to make him sad. When he and Rachel on Friends shared their favorite books... Uh, he, he was reading Little Women and he was afraid of the end and he was going, he put it in the freezer to make sure that everything stayed, stayed okay. <laughs> he was like, nope, not going to go there. Going to throw you in the freezer. Yeah. Everybody's going to live happily ever after. I'm putting it in the freezer. <laughs> and that's how that title came to be, everybody. Yeah. It's a good episode. You need to watch it because they, he was reading Little Woman and, and Rachel was reading his favorite book, which was, was it The Shining or was it It? I think it was It, the Stephen King one with the clown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that was the book. Yeah. The book scared him, so he put it in the freezer so it couldn't get him. <laughs> <laughs> it always reminds me of New Orleans now because our hotel room was at, was near the It room. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the IT room for everybody who's wondering. Not the It room, but it, it looked like the It room. <laughs> it should have been the It room. Right. We called it the It room while we were drunk and, <laughs> and singing the Stephen well, song. Were, you were busy texting Wendy. Yeah. Yeah. But Jean is like Pennywise drunk, drunk. is in there. <laughs> yeah, you were drunk tweeting Wendy when I realized Pennywise was in there. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, let me let the people know this podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. If you're interested in helping to keep us independent and ad free, check out patreon.com slash demons discuss. That'll give you access to our after show, a deep dive exploration into the ditch. (laughs) And that podcast is available to all of our patrons. And we will be recording episode five after this recording of the public show. So now that I got through that let's uh do some discusser emails who wants to start i have one from new england angela i'm gonna read the whole thing today i'm I'm feeling like i need to be complete yeah okay good morning demons not sure if this ever been discussed previously but in chapter 14 tabitha makes her reappearance in the series we see her fly into the room midst all the chaos from isabel's failed search and search out one particular book the alchemy book that diana had loved reading was it chance that led tabitha to the book magic or is it possible that by this point in the timey-wiminess, she is a reincarnated creature. It's possible that part of Philippe lives inside her. Tabitha loved Matthew, yet didn't warm up to Diana until she returned to set to her in the Book of Life. When Tabitha hovered over the piece of paper that fell to the floor, Deb wrote, hovering over her prize like a lion. And there is only one lion in this family, and Deb usually doesn't use words that don't have significant meaning. Other things that led me to believe Tabitha is something else besides a cat. She despised Miriam in A Discovery of Witches, would never go into Mart's still room. She constantly stared at the burning wood in the fireplaces and picked up the tension between family members with uncanny precision, in quotes. Makes you wonder if there's more to her than what we are led to believe. That's all now for ladies. Demon kisses. Angela. Mm. (laughs) 
Um, I never took Tabitha as anything more than a cat because cats do that. They pick up on you. They pick up Weird on your vibes. Yeah, on your vibes. They, I mean, uh, we discussed Ike, my cat. Jean can attest and she's not a cat <laughs> person. This cat will feel you out. Come over, see if you're a friend or foe. I don't. He's uncanny. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's uh, an uncanny sort of cat. And I feel like Tabitha picked up on Miriam and Miriam comes off as suspicious of everything as she should be. Most, you know, being around Matthew. And mm-hmm. we saw that when she met Diana. So when Tabitha approaches Miriam, Miriam's like, okay, who the fuck are you and what's going on? And Tabitha is just going to react to that. That's just my yeah. take on it. I think there's a reason that cats are part of the witch stereotype. I mean, there probably is, you know, a grain of truth to it because they are so intuitive and, and tuned in, it seems like, and have that yes. special connection with other vibes. Um, but I think it's part of the whole witchy picture. Yeah. But good email, Angela. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, there were some excellent points there. I mean, she he, Tabitha is certainly is in tune like Philippe is. I mean, and if they're in the same feline family. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Jean, what do you have? Oh, I have a discusser email from Stephen. Hey. Hello again, delicious demons. The one with the target practice or zen in the art of archery, trying to allow the idea of self to drop away, to stop influencing or interfering with the skill in archery. I like that Diana was reminded that Matthew made removing the cork from a bottle of champagne look easy. My preferred method here is to hold the cork firmly and twist the champagne bottle. However, I am happy to continue practicing opening bottles and not assume that I've learned everything there is to know on the subject. <laughs> like the euphemistic target practice in this chapter, I am happy with the continual practice. <laughs> I didn't know that the expression fortnight from 14 nights or two weeks was not commonly used in American English. Great to see this brought up on the Discusser Facebook group. I had forgotten that this was the chapter where Diana promised Philippe that she would find a way to be with him in the darkness and would hold his hand. As I mentioned in my last mail, I believe that an older Diana will time walk back to 1945 to give comfort and support to Philippe. I'm sure I read that Philippe, alive and dead, will appear in the forthcoming book, Time's Convert. Maybe this will be included in the new book. My copy is on order and eagerly awaited. Regards, Stephen. Mine too. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen, as always. Before we move on, I do want to say something about the Fortnite thing, and I explain it in the Facebook group. I had never heard of that before I had moved to England. I had heard of it, but never knew what it meant, mm-hmm. basically. So when my neighbor came up to me and said, in a fortnight, I'm like, okay, and I'm nodding and smiling, but I had no clue. We had to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God Google existed by that point in time. Yes, yes. This is in uh, 2001, so Google did exist. And we bring it up a lot now because last year around this time, we submitted our podcast to Radio Public, and Radio Public is a British company. And what it does, it takes all your episodes and kind of tries to analyze how often the episodes republish. And it came out and said, this podcast updates fortnightly. And, I, <laughs> and then I went, to, I went to Angela and Jean, and I'm like, fortnightly, I love that. Oh, I'm going to use it. That's why we say it all the time. <laughs> I, I have to point out, too, in Chapter 13, Philippe does say, Fortnite as well. Yep, he does. does. All right. So moving on. Um, this is from Patricia. I will shorten her email because I'm having bad luck with words today. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was uh, bullet pointed, well thought out. And the full version will be in the show notes. So she says here, here are some of my thoughts on chapter 13 and chapter 14 of Sun. Chapter 13 was intense. For me, it was a lot of push and pull from the archery, the emotions and carnal appetites of Diana and Matthew. Close your eyes before you aim, said Matthew Claremont to Diana. For me, this was a powerful metaphor for life. She goes on to say, sometimes you have to trust that something will work, regardless of whether you're looking or not. Uh, Matthew is curious about how Diana succeeded in archery when she closed her eyes during shooting. Understanding how something works or how someone does something is a challenging question. Seems like Matthew is trying to use the scientific method on Diana to understand her powers. And then she says, Diana mentions that she feels there is an invisible potential beyond her grasp. This comment makes me think of the power of yoga and Tai Chi and other energy-based fitness. Philippe's wisdom in the tearful goodbye. Revenge is never an adequate remedy for loss are words in chapter 13 that echo to my core. Felt sad reading this chapter as Diana says goodbye to Philippe and lives with the heavy burden of knowing his future. So chapter 14, she says, for me, this was not an anomaly at all. It was a perfect distraction from the heaviness of chapter 13. Fun to see how notes are put in books for Isabeau to find and what a joy to find her singing again. Isabeau had a moment of happiness after a long period of grief, the power of love, immortal in words. That's it for me. Looking forward to the next show. Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Thanks, Patricia. Thank you. I thought chapter 13 and 14, it was the the uh, quintessential endings, beginnings change. You have the ending of leaving Philippe and the beginning of Isabeau reading his note and them yes. starting a new a new timeline. Yes. Of, of all the anomaly chapters, that one was the most complimentary as far as... Yes. Uh, continuity. Ch- yes. yes. Unlike Rima, yes. where it smacked us in the face. It's like, whoa, what the hell is this shit? Yeah. Yeah. That, this, that just, and it, it wasn't like it, and it wasn't like it was like modern day England and tra- transition plate, you know, place wise or theme wise. It just was like kind of dropped in. Yeah. Okay. So. Let's go on to this chapter discussion. Let's just do it. Rip the bandaid off, guys. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we start with Matthew's bare ass on display. Right, so exactly. It's, right. It's a rollicking start. <laughs> Let me say that this chapter discussion is brought to you by Elena Tronco. Thank you, Elena. Thank you, Elena. Thanks, Yay. Elena. When we left off in chapter 12, Diana and Matthew had just consummated their marriage. Finally! Yes! <laughs> They're consummating it all over the damn place now. Right. We open up chapter 13 in a room above the smithy and find Diana and Matthew in a rather compromising position, like Jean said. Ass out. <laughs> Most definitely. Sprawled out after getting distracted. And I can assume that happened when looking for a bow and arrow for Diana. I think they were repeatedly distracted. Yes. We'll call it target practice for the sake of propriety. Yeah. You'd have to imagine, though, everyone was giving him pretty wide berth because he said, everyone knows what we're up to. So I don't think anyone's going to be barging in on anybody. Yeah. Yeah. We're good here. <laughs> nobody, wants to see your, nobody wants to see your pale white ass, Matthew. My lord's butt. My lord's butt. Well, they do some more target practice after Diana challenges Matthew with this. He says, you can't possibly want to do that again. And Matthew's like, oh, yeah. And the D is happening all over the place in this chapter. Apparently, it's oh, been yeah. happening for the past few days because no one's bugged them. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, Nobody's waiting fortnightly for that. No. Yeah. 
<laughs> Chef sent them food to make sure they stayed nourished while the D was happening. And so after all of this, it's on to the real target practice. We find Matthew coaching Diana with a bow and arrow. And Matthew indicates that Philippe should be coaching her because his handling of a bow is legendary. And Diana says Philippe said that Isabeau was a much better shot than him. And that's because Isabeau purportedly landed a shot in his side. Yeah. And what did you guys think? I mean, did you think this was kind of a domestic fight? Was it playful? Was it some passive aggressive? Oops. This, <laughs> this round, this time around, it was the first time I thought it's like Philippe was pulling her leg. And the reason that Isabeau hit him in the side is because the arrow went wild. I mean, before it was, I think I read too much into it before and that she hit him with an arrow on purpose. Yeah. I took it as playful. I, playful? Like, ah, oh, you're going to heal anyway? Take yeah, this, you shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, 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 you know how the, uh, you're at a carnival game and the guy, the targets are moving back and forth. I can picture like Philippe egging her on. Like, oh, you're not going to hit me anyway. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, you mean, watch this. Oh, like yeah? when we were kids and we'd throw the lawn charts at each yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, lawn darts. Yeah. The good old days. Where you oh can kill yourself with a child's toy. <laughs> <laughs> they stuck in the side of the garage really well. <laughs> Let's play William Tell. Even even regular darts. We'd be at my aunt's house. Yeah, go downstairs and play. Can we play pool? Sure. You can play dart? Sure. You know. <laughs> Meanwhile, those balls will knock anybody out. <laughs> and the pool yeah, have you the ever got- pool stick? Everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever gotten hit with a dart? It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does. In my thigh, in the meat. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> Ow. Well, I mean, you pull it out and your tetanus shot is good, right? So you're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God. God. Yeah, and then once you're done with that. It's, it's let's only go- a flush wound. Yeah, right. <laughs> once you're done with that, let's go on the ATVs. Oh, sure. <laughs> Be back by dark. We'll call you, you know, when it gets dark. Or the snowmobiles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, let's take the snowmobiles out after dark, said no one ever. (laughs) Yeah. Ending well. Yeah. Going out on the ice on that pond where it's like almost spring, but not quite. And you can hear it cracking and you'd walk out in the middle of the pond and just, I hear it cracking. You better run, you know? So, (laughs) I mean, no parent would let any kid do that now. No. No. And and when your parents called when it was dark, you came running. If you were stuck in the ice or whatever, you're like, I I gotta go. I gotta go. (laughs) Guys, help me out. Help me out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that was a bitch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. With uh, Isabeau, I thought it was more of a passive aggressive. Oops. What happened there? (laughs) (laughs) They were shooting and then, oops. Shithead, don't do that again, you know? Right. Yeah. So Diana shoots and shoots and shoots and misses her target. And Matthew is puzzled and says, I've seen you shoot witchfire and blow a hole straight through her chest. Diana goes straight for the ostrich approach and says, I don't want to talk about that. And Matthew prompts her, maybe talking about Juliet would help. Mm-hmm. And then Diana's like, why can't this just be about me getting exercise? And she's not getting it. She wants to just, it's mm-hmm. kind of the same way when she went the first time to Septour. I just want to get away and forget yeah. about my problems. And I feel like she's taking this the same way when it should be serious. This is serious. You should be training. You, you need to do this. And Matthew has this in his head and Diana just doesn't want to face it yet. Well, yeah, I'm also questioning, why does Matthew think that just by doing archery, it's going to prompt her witch fire? Um, 
I mean, muscle memory. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm thinking. When they started to do it, though, I, I I'd never realized this passage about when she does start to do the archery and the elements come alive, or she can envision the elements. I thought it was just exquisite. The whole description, the whole I'd never noticed mm-hmm. it before, and this I totally appreciated it this time around. Where she saw the fire and get in when they made the arrow, she felt the fire of it being formed and everything yes. like that. Yeah, I was gonna say, and the other thing is too is it's like one of your first the first real hints that we we get about what it means to be a weaver because she's talking about tapping into all the different elements mm-hmm. as opposed to just being having an affinity with one right yeah I yeah mean, i didn't it, realize before when she was you know i just picture witch fire boom there's the fire like it's got to be in my face i thought but she when she yeah. says the quince you can the sunlight hey that's fire or the you know um the arrow seeing the forging that's fire i didn't realize the depth of it yes and, and the fire in the air especially which is also goes to um her mom and dad really because mm-hmm. her mom was a, what a fire witch and then steven's affinity was to air water no i thought he was air because of the bubbles uh benu. water yeah it was benu he's water still it's like one of those things kind of like cora where she has uh affinity to air and water and i think benu kind of does too because even though he's water he if the bird he can flies fly, yeah. yeah yeah so both powerful witches that could call different elements so yeah. Then we get Diana. Could call on more than one element. And then she brings up Thetis. Yes. Oh, she does yeah. The shape-shifting. Shape-shifting. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that, though, when she said, a breeze, a caressive movement, pulled a few strands of my hair away from my ear in response. What do you want? I asked the breeze crossly. Your trust, it whispered in reply. Your trust. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't remember that. And I just thought the passage was great. Yeah. So full of information and uh, laying the groundwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she feels the elements help her after she lets go of her fear after to after that the breeze talks back your trust it says and then that's when she's like okay and then she lets go trust in your powers so after she does that and she trusts the breeze her friend the breeze <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she nails the shot she's one right after another right after another as long as she kept her eyes closed she hit the target as soon as she yeah. peeked at her surroundings her shots went wide or fell short and matthew decides that's enough for the day and they ride back to the chateau they're greeted by Philippe with a you two can't be tired of each other already. We didn't expect to see you for another fortnight. (laughs) (laughs) But now that you're here, you can make yourself useful. Take some stars and moons and hang them wherever there's an empty spot. The place was decorated for Saturnalia. And I love this. I love this whole deal. The celebration, the games, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Matthew climbing the wall to help with the decorations. Everything about this to me was wonderful. I loved it. Yeah. And Thomas being the Lord of Misrule. Yes. Yeah. And then even Diana says it's impossible to resist the holiday spirit. Yeah. The all inclusive and Philippe Philippe with the antlers on his head. Yes. uh, Philippe and Elan dancing and Philippe's playing the part of the woman. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) The shadow puppets for the kids. Some Vegas-style gambling for the adults. <laughs> and uh, Katrine's little kissing booth, you know, set up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Katrine, Katrine's a minx. <laughs> and then the clock. And the clock. The clock. The clock. <laughs> when they brought it out, I was like, what the hell is this contraption? And the cannon was supposed to fire little sparks and give a puff of smoke. And then Philippe's all sad. It would have amused the children because it blew up. Yeah. I, lo- I love that it misfired. I do. Yeah. It's- <laughs> well, misrule, misfiring. I mean, the whole thing kind of yeah. reminded me of a... Does anybody remember that game Mousetrap? Yes. Yeah, I do. That's what this clock reminded me of. <laughs> 
And then you lost that little metal marble, and then the whole game was screwed because yeah. it didn't work anymore. <laughs> Philippe goes, something was amiss with your gunpowder, Matthias, and Matthew laughed. Evidently not, judging by the wreckage. And then, <laughs> and then poor Philippe, he's like, next year we'll do better. And he's trying to tell Tomas, hey, next year we'll be better because Tomas is being all serious. He's like, ugh, such a shame. What did he say uh, in French? Dommage? Something dommage. C'est dommage. C'est dommage. Yep. <laughs> and Philippe's like, next year we'll do better. And this is where uh, Diana and Matthew take the misrule upstairs. And Diana's on top citing an article she read in graduate school. Women on top. <laughs> <laughs> and Matthew's like, you're going to kill me. And she's like, don't so, you so die now, we- vampire. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a weird bit of foreplay if ever there was. <laughs> So more D. Yes. All the D. <laughs> Citing graduate school articles. Really? Okay. <laughs> that is a very particular fetish. Well, and Matthew likes it. So <laughs> I told you he's got dark shit in that brain. Is. Now we're on to Friday, the shortest day of the year. And the celebration of Yule is upon us. We aren't even at Christmas yet. Philippe is all about the party. He says, Chef Butchered a hog. How could I disappoint him? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Not me. It wasn't me. (laughs) Do it for chef. Yeah. Can't let the, we can't let the hog go to waste. Right. That's right. So we find Diana in the library with a family's uh, alchemical books while Matthew is helping with a roof with a roof in the village. And Philippe shows up with an armful of scrolls, paper triangles, squares, and dumps them on the table. Philippe says, hey, I thought you'd be with Matthew. Diana confesses that she could not bear to see him up on the roof. Of course, after the story in the church, I wouldn't either. So we know yeah. what happened there. Right. Yeah. He goes, what are you doing? He asks, over, looking over my shoulder. And she says, trying to figure out what Matthew and I have to do with alchemy. And Philippe observes her doodle and says, uh, this is her, Matthew's seal. And she says, it is. It also symbol, it also the symbols for silver and gold, the moon and the sun. And the hall had been decorated with spangled versions of these heavenly bodies for Saturnalia. And she also goes on to say, I've been thinking about it since Monday night. I understand why a witch might be symbolized with a crescent mood and silver. They're both linked to the goddess, but why would anyone one use a sun or gold to denote a vampire. It went against every bit of popular lore. And I was interested in this too, because mm-hmm. I was like, huh, yes, yeah. how is the sun a vampire? And then Philippe has the answer. Because we are unchanging. Our lives do not wax or wane. And like gold, our bodies resist corruption from death or disease. And she's like, eh, I should have thought of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so she makes some notes. And then Philippe's like, man, you've been preoccupied with a D and all. So, you know, that's right? why you didn't think of it. <laughs> yeah, you're D drunk. <laughs> but in all seriousness, he points out that Matthew is very happy. And Diana points out that he was happy to be with Philippe. And Philippe says Isabeau and him like it when the kids come home, even when they have their own lives. And the absence is still a little tough. And then she points out that he misses Galaglass too. And then in this quote, he says, it was Hugh, my eldest, who brought him into the family. Hugh always made wise decisions when it came to sharing his blood. And Galaglass was no exception. He is a fierce warrior with his father's sense of honor. It comforts me to know that my grandson is in England with Matthew. And I'm like, huh, oh, that's nice. 
Matthew sounds a lot like Hugh. I didn't know it at the time, but finding out what we find out in the book of life, Matthew sounds a lot like Hugh with his love of studying and knows in a book and it took Fernando to, you yes. know, ready him, except for Hugh made good decisions <laughs> and Matthew not so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. When it came to, it came to making children, Hugh had a little bit more disc- um, discernment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, you're going to crack a few eggs before you can come up with this a market. true. <laughs> <laughs> and even that was iffy. <laughs> Yeah. For a while, yeah. Right. <laughs> we find out uh, Matthew rarely mentions Hugh because he was closest to him when he died with the Templars. Matthew's loyalty was shaken and that Galglass was still in mourning. Mm-hmm. And then he explained the note hiding game that he and Isabeau played. I like this. I, just I thought it was, yeah. this is well, nice. And, and when he talked about Galglass, the other thing I'm kind of interested in, in is what exactly did he do to exact retribution? Right. I'm sure there's a story there. I, I wonder, picture, though. I, I picture it like Godfather 2 when they have their judgment day and everyone gets whack <laughs> oh, whack at the go. same time. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Red maybe Wedding on Games of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Or Cornfield in Iowa. Yeah. Like Casino. Right. Oh, yeah. So so he explains how him and Isabeau exchanged notes by hiding them. So, you know, while they're in the library looking at books and it could be years before they see a note that one of the other wrote. That's why I thought this was a cool game. Mm-hmm. But I, f- I figure if I did that with my husband, um, none of my notes would be found. Right. So. Mine either. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, and the funny thing was they did that. They actually did that note hiding thing. Um, yes, I'd watch that excruciatingly trashy show, The Royals. Uh-huh. And the princess would leave notes in a particular volume. I think they were saying it belonged to Anne Boleyn or it was some princess's diary where she would leave notes for her lover and she did it for her security guard lover and the whole hide the note and put your note back and take their note and kind of use it as a mailbox. Mm-hmm. Huh. So it was a thing then, you thinking? Yeah. yeah. It sounds like it's, it was it was a thing. And this show is the royals? I mean, your trash might yes. be someone's treasure, so I'll put that in the show notes, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's one that's on E! with um, Elizabeth Hurley. Oh. Oh, okay. She plays the Queen Mom. It. It's, yeah. it's pretty hilarious, actually. <laughs> Total soap it, opera. It is very popular. It's still on. I mean, it's been several seasons now. Yeah. So Alon shows up with news that messengers have arrived. And Philippe's like, I could have waited out till after the Christian feast, a.k.a. I wasn't done partying yet. Right. <laughs> The messenger from Lyon reported that Champier was careful and he told his pals that he'd be headed up to the chateau. And since he hadn't returned home, they were asking questions. The other messages were in the village looking for Matthew to call him back to England. Uh, Philippe decides that Christmas Day should be the best day for them to return to England. And Diana points out that Philippe had been expecting this. And she's so worried that she's not ready to go back because she cannot blend. And Philippe says, and this shocked me when I first read it, that she blends better than she thinks because he switched back and forth twice in French and in Latin and she didn't even notice it. And just kept up with the conversation. Man, could you imagine being that good with language? No. 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 I can barely... No. Speak English. Yeah, no. See, English is a is a challenge most days and today in particular. So <laughs> no. And that was my first language. So here we go. And so here we get a clue too. that he, what we were like, what is he writing Gallo Glass and Raleigh about? Well, that's part of it. Yep. This is part yep. of it. Diana volunteers to tell Matthew about the arrangements, which were, which that they were supposed to set out on uh, Christmas Day. And there'd be horses and lodging to take him back to Chalet to cross the channel to Dover in England. 
And when she reaches Matthew, he's already read the news. Agnes Sampson had confessed to 53 indictments of witchcraft. And King James is just being his pleasant self. Right. Yeah. And I'm thinking they must have been torturing her badly because Diana points out that witches don't believe in the devil. And apparently she confessed to all All kinds kinds of of shit. Yes. And then she asked Matthew what he did before, what the previous Matthew did. He's like, I let her death pass unchallenged. But now he doesn't want to do that because everything's changed in his life. So he's a different dude. But she tells Matthew, eh, did she tell him to leave it alone or? Yes. She, yeah. She's like, yeah, she told him to leave it alone. She weighed the choices. Yeah. Which and historian and the historian went out. And then, uh, Diana tells Matthew that she's sorry that they have to leave so soon. And Matthew's like, if not for you, my last memories of my father would be of a broken shell of a man. I'll take the bitter with the sweet. And that this is when I started getting sad, guys. Mm-hmm. Really, really sad. Yeah. Every single time. Well, what's interesting is that Cecil wants him to go check on the whole witchcraft, yep. the situation with James, too. King James was something. Serving so many masters gets confusing for Matthew. Right. And not to mention, I mean, the fact that they're leaving on Christmas Day and aren't they going to go backwards in time, so to speak, with the, ta- yeah. with the calendar difference? Yeah. With the calendar. Yeah, with the calendar difference, they get to have Christmas again. So don't, they don't really miss it by traveling back. They do get no. to celebrate it. Yeah. <sighs> This is sad. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, so the next several days, they pack and plan for the journey. And then Diana goes to Philippe's study to thank him for everything. And Philippe pushed his stool back, studied her. And he says, it is I who should be thanking you, Diana. The family has been trying to mend Matthew's spirit for more than a thousand years. If I'm remembering it correctly, it took you less than 40 days. And the conversation goes on and he says, a man like Matthew never frees himself of the shadows completely. But perhaps it is necessary to embrace the darkness in order to love him. Mm -hmm. Diana remembers this passage. Do not refuse me because I'm dark and shadowed. That's from the Aurora Consurgeons. And Philippe says, I don't recognize the verse. And then she says, it's from that alchemical book I showed you earlier, the Aurora Consurgeons. The passage reminded me of Matthew, but I still don't understand why. I will, though. The ring again. You are very much like that ring, you know, Philippe says, tapping his finger on the table. It was another of Isabeau's clever messages. And she says she wanted you to know that she approved of the marriage. I said, my thumb reaching for the countering weight. No, Isabel wanted me to know that she approved of you. Like the gold from which it is made, you are steadfast. You hide many secrets within you, just as the bands of the ring hide the posies from view. But it is in the stone that best captures who you are. Bright on the surface, fiery within, and impossible to break. And she's like, oh, I'm breakable, all right. Yeah, you can smash a diamond with a hammer. Right. And then he says, I've seen the scars Matthew left on you. I suspect there are others too, though less visible. You did not fall to pieces then, and you will not now. Oh my God, so sound. <laughs> this is when uh, Philippe kisses her on each cheek. She promises, she him, promises him that he won't be alone. She'll find another way to be with him when he feels abandoned. She'll be there to hold his hand. And then Philippe says this, how can it be otherwise when you're in my heart? Aww. Aww. Man. I'll be honest. I stopped right here and then I went to Book of Life and read his letter to her and then I came Aww. back here. I just, I had to be complete. Yeah. <laughs> uh, True. So they set out next morning with a small group of creatures to see them off. Chef had packed snacks for Diana and her, for her saddlebags. Helen uh, had stuffed the rest of the space with letters for Gal Glass and Walter and others. And Katrine wanted to go with them, but Philippe wouldn't allow it. Aww. Poor Katrine. Stay Aww, home. Katrine. No more adventures for Katrine. Aww. Philippe hugs Diana and he qu- has a quiet talk with Matthew and they do their dude goodbyes. You know how 
how dudes do. Right. Yeah. Shoulder bump. All right, man. Yeah. Shoulder bump. All right. <laughs> Love you, man. <laughs> Gotta go. He puts his this face is... back on and helps Diana in her saddle and off they go. Oh, and this then... is the part that kills me right here. And Diana catches glimpses of Philippe tracking them for a while. And I noted in my ancient EPUB, I noted that it's not unlike how Matthew tracked Diana when she was rowing. Mm-hmm. This is true. Until yeah. he was just a smudge. And then she whispers into the wind, goodbye, Philippe. Goodbye, chapter. <laughs> can we revisit one last one thing in here sure. um, Matthew had plans of his own and he gave to Philippe I always found it fascinating that he told him the last thing I will do before we return to our own time is, you, is send you a message be ready to order me to Scotland to secure the family's alliance with King James from there I should go to Amsterdam the Dutch will open up a trading route with the East so it says a lot about what happens after 1590 but I would just it just occurred to me now mm-hmm. he really couldn't have done anything about Agnes Sampson's death if, if the family itself had an alliance with King James. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing could have been yeah. done. The other thing that's really interesting, too, is he was also the Dutch East Indy Company. Didn't Weren't they founded in like right around the time Elizabeth died? Yes. I want to say like 1603 or 1605, right. which also makes it very clear that Sebastian or Matthew weren't around when she finally passes in 1603. Right. But that 1600s is definitely when he snatched up his Amsterdam house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the other thing I thought was fun uh, before we leave this chapter, too, was how I always kind of got the feeling that Philippe was little doing a little bit of playing dumb with the whole alchemy thing. Yeah. The alchemy yeah. books. Oh, I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah, right. Why don't you explain it to me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, kind of, but kind of like uh, Stephen, too. I mean, but Stephen, when they, well, I don't want to get too far ahead, but, you know, when they meet up and they're talking about Ashmole 782, she's got to fill him in, too. And he's, you know, you don't realize the mental notes that he's really taking. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. Okay. We'll get to that when yes. we get to it. <laughs> On to chapter 14, the second anomaly in this book. And uh, yes. I like chapter 14. It was good as we were talking before. It wasn't such a shock like Remus chapter. It was more of a, oh, we're with Isabel. It, oh. It, Oh. And it was Sarah, a treat. We just, we just moved. For, we just moved forward in time in the same, same exact room. Yeah. In fact. Right. Yeah. I like instant gratification kind of cool. sometimes, and it was yes. like you got, you got to see yeah. the aftermath immediately. Yes. So it's like, oh, Sarah and M made it over there. Oh, everybody's okay. So it, it, <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, and, and Isabel's going on about, yeah, I wasn't home. I wasn't home that winter because I was in Trier. To right. Emily of all people. I'm like, <laughs> <Right>. nice. <laughs> nice. Emily's like, what? 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 <laughs> Trier. <laughs> Oh, geez. she's like she's like really Melisande. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Isabeau is uh, tearing up the library. <laughs> yeah. Just I, I wonder what triggered her to do that. All of a sudden, it's like oh, they have to be with Philippe. How did she know to tear up the library right at that moment? I think because they were there. I think yeah. she, I think she had probably been looking for it, and I don't think it was like he wrote the note and it was happening simultaneously. I think that she just expected there to be a note at some point, and they were. Yeah. Matthew and Diana weren't back, so she knew that they had to see Philippe at some point. Right. Or hoping they saw him. It's described as a tornado had blown through this (laughs) pristine library. (laughs) Which which brings my favorite Sarah quote of the chapter. Diana could give you a lecture on book preservation that would bore you stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I love her. (laughs) And I love the fact that they brought Tabitha along. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Clearly they didn't fly United. (laughs) 
No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Too soon? Oh. <laughs> Damn. Well. United. Again, we're talking about United Airlines. Okay, I digress. I digress. Um, <laughs> Isabel's looking for something. And she's like, it must be here. He would have known that the children were together. And Isabel's flinging books aside and she's reaching for other ones. And Emily's just pained because she's a librarian. She's just like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What's going on here? And then she says, Matthew and Diana, we're going to 1590. I was not at home then, but in Trier. And this is when Emily, you know, what, what, what? Freaks the hell out. She explains that she's looking for a letter. And Emily's like, but these are books, not letters. And she's just trying to be careful with this vampire who's lost her goddamn mind. Right. Like, you know, she's not trying to be controversial or anything like that. She's just treading carefully. And and she goes, I'm not looking for a letter. We hid little notes to each other in the pages of books. I searched through every volume in the library when he died, wanting to have every last piece of him. I must have missed something. Okay, so here's the question. When he died, would there be a letter there? Timey-wimey shit. Or when Diana and Matthew traveled back and entered Philippe within all those time spoolings, did the letter just appear because the timelines changed? Oh, I think the latter. Yes, yeah. me too. Okay. And so does Sarah, because Sarah goes on to explain why it wasn't, it may not have been there to be found yet. Right. Right. <laughs> she goes, Mark's going to have a fit when she sees this. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm staying out of the way. And then there's Tabitha eating the book. Yeah. So Sarah is uh, explaining that time is tricky. Even if everything went according to plan and Diana took Matthew back to the first day of November in 1590, it mm-hmm. may still be too soon to look for a message from your husband. And you wouldn't have found the message before because Philippe hadn't met my niece yet. Okay. And then Sarah paused. Tabitha's eating that book. <laughs> So maybe she knew something, Tabitha, or maybe she just picked up on a vibe like we concluded. Mm -hmm. Or a scent. I mean, she liked that scent, scent, but yeah. Well, it smelled like mint. Maybe it smelled like mint or catnip. Yeah. Catnip is mint. So, yeah. And Philippe is mint. Yes, exactly. And that's probably what the note smelled like. Mm -hmm. Philippe. Is he mint? I thought the glass was mint. Sea salt and mint. Rosemary. Rosemary and laurel. Is it Ah, mint? Maybe not mint. I don't know. Maybe I'm making it up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just picturing green leaves. It's laurel, uh, rosemary. I don't know. Yeah. We'll look up the correct answer and put it in the show notes yeah 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 it's, it's laurel and rosemary and something else there's one yeah, it's fig figs figs fig. yes okay <laughs> like um, a delicious greek appetizer yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so no, i'm hungry again if it smells like mint maybe gal glass handled it could be could be not in 1590 though no would be at some point in time some point yeah. in time, some point in time maybe sure. All right. Isabel goes, Kakogati. And then she grabs the book and she says, that's one of Diana's favorites. Sarah's like, it's one of those alchemy books with the pictures in it. You know, Sarah's not. Right. <laughs> She's not impressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. insurgence. Who cares? <laughs> She's busy, you know, taking the book out of Tabitha's mouth. And so a square piece of paper folded and folded and folded again, fluttered to the floor. Deprived of the book, Tabitha picked up the paper between her sharp teeth and stalked towards the door. 
and Isabeau was waiting for her. She picked up Tabitha by the scruff of the neck and pried the paper from the cat's mouth. She kissed the surprised feline on the nose. Clever cat. You shall have fish for supper. I love that. I know. <laughs> I know. And then uh, Emily's like, is that what you were looking for? And Isabeau's answer was she opened it and she's not even paying attention. She's reading what it says in tiny characters. And then Sarah's like, well, that's written in some kind of code. It's great. <laughs> Come peering, on now. Peering over her <laughs> shoulder to try and read it. And then and they're like, yeah, so what is it? What does it yeah. say? What does it say? And, and, you know, Emily's all full of propriety. Sarah, that's private. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sarah coined the term. It's all Greek to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, it's from Philippe. He saw them. And that's when I'm like, oh, my God, he saw them. There's a litter. We're going to find worked. out more. It timey wimey. <laughs> Yay. Thank you, timey wimey, for not confusing me too much. Yay. You just trust in it and it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He let them know that they were with him for the holidays. And the letter, it says, on the morning of the Christian's holy celebration, I said farewell to your son. He is happy at last, mated to a woman who walks in the footsteps of the goddess and is worthy of his love. Isabel read aloud. So I like this. I like that he's okay. I saw your son off. Yeah. He's in good hands. And I approve of my daughter-in-law. So he's letting Isabeau know. It's all good. We're good. And um, Emily, of all people, I, I find it funny that she says, are you sure he means Matthew and Diana? And she's the one that's busy reading it, reading in between lines and texts and family. And, and had the confidence of Rebecca. Yeah. So yeah. I found it weird. It's like, are you sure? Isabel's like, yeah. Yes, Matthew was always the child we worried over, though his brothers and sisters got into far worse predicaments. My one wish was to see Matthew happy. And then Sarah's like, well, Diana's a goddess, dummies. I was going to say, yeah. no one's e- no one bats an eyelash. Uh, the woman that walks in the footsteps of the goddess. Well, that's, yeah. that's Diana. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Em in this chapter is like really obtuse. It's like somebody needs to give her a quarter to get the clue bus. Yeah. More than Sarah, I feel like... Like she is, since she knows all the notorious families and everything like that, she's wary of vampires. Mm-hmm. And I think Sarah's obtuse enough to just walk into anywhere and just be like, "So you're a vampire, whatever." <laughs> you know? Yeah, she's the one that she's the one that walks into a bar she clearly doesn't belong in and makes some comment about why are there guys dancing with guys? <laughs> what? Come on, Sarah. <laughs> But she doesn't care. She's just living her little life, man. (laughs) And then she goes, oh, Isabeau says, there's more. Fate still has the power to surprise us, bright one. And there he is with a light and bright. And Mm -hmm. he calls Isabeau bright one. I fear there are difficult times ahead for all of us. I will do what I can in the time that remains to me to ensure your safety and that all of our children and grandchildren, those whose blessings we already enjoy and those as yet unborn. What, what, what? Yeah, so Philippe, he's so far ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sarah's like, unborn? Not unmade? Unborn? Oh, my God. Isabel's like, yes, Philippe always chose his words carefully. So he was trying to tell them something. Sarah acknowledges this. So he was trying to tell us something about Diana and Matthew. And Isabeau sank on the sofa. And this is when she tells the story. A long, long time ago, there were rumors about creatures who were different immortal, but powerful too. Around the time the covenant was first signed, some claim that a witch gave birth to a baby who wept tears of blood like a vampire. Whenever the child did so, fierce winds would blow from the sea. 
That was around the time of the covenant. Do you think weavers were, the, I mean, even forget you read the book of life and even book of life mm-hmm. made, kind of made it murky. Do you think weavers were the catalyst to the covenant? Yes. Yeah, me too. I do too. The fact that they could have children together was a real problem because it, it would be a way to get for somebody to get the upper hand. And so do you think that I'm not because I wasn't sure which came first. But if you think Weaver was the catalyst, do you think then as long as we're writing this covenant, let's add on the politics and religion and the no meddling? Yes. Yes. I think that the politics and the no meddling and all that was kind of a smokescreen. Yes. Because they probably had been talking about the politics and no meddling on the side. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think about our own Congress on how things get done. There's really one reason for the bill, but people throw in other shit. Yes. Because, you know, the creature separate was probably that that really shitty abortion law that they hide in the middle of the budget hoping nobody will notice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. On page 875 out of Exactly. You know, out of how many pages. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, it might have been something like that. It's like there's a real reason for the covenant and then there's these other things that we want to get done while we're at it. So, And that people violate and it's not as much as they say, the congregation's going to come down on us for violating, but clearly Clearly, it's violations happen, but not the big thing, the, like so the catalyst that, yeah, that yes. seems to have been stopped. Yeah. Emily says, after Isabeau tells the story, I've never heard that before. And then Isabeau says, it was dismissed as a myth, a story created to engender fear among other creatures. A few among us now would remember, even fewer would believe it possible, but Philippe knew it was true. He held the child, you see. He knew it for what it was. Do you think that was... uh, Okay, I don't want to jump ahead. Sorry. (laughs) I can't wait till we get there, though. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have have some very definite thoughts of just who that was, but we'll see that for the appropriate time. I shall mark this chapter. Come back to this. See, when we read the Book of Life, we're going to be going back to Shadow of Night. Now, right now, it's Shadow of Night going to Book of Life. Yeah. He held the child, you see. He knew it for what it was. And Sarah's like, well, what was it? And then uh, Isabeau says, Amanja Song, born of a witch. The poor child was starving. The witch's family took the baby from her and refused to feed him blood on the grounds that if he was forced to just only take milk, it would keep him from turning into one of us. What and did you then, think on first read, though? Were you, I was like, what? what? Wait, where am I now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. Is, it, is this yeah. important? Not important? I don't, you know. How would it turn from one to another? And how how does this have to do with Matthew's fear that if he makes Diana a vampire, she won't be a witch anymore? Because this is right. kind of like, uh, yeah, this is an evolved creature they're talking about and I'm like this child really did exist and then um, Emily's like surely Matthew knows this story oh and then Isabel and her <laughs> that's not my tale to tell yeah <laughs> and then you know Sarah just goes straight up bitch you and your secrets <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and then Isabel is like well what of you and your secrets Sarah do you really believe that the witches creatures like Satu and Peter Knox know nothing about the Manjasong child and its mother and this triggers the reader to think oh they must know right. oh shit And then Emily breaks it up. Stop it, both of you. If this story is true and other creatures know, then Diana is in grave danger. Sophie, too. Because if we remember, Sophie's carrying a witch as a demon mother and a Mm -hmm. demon. She has a (laughs) the witch has a demon dad, too. She explains that to Isabel. But they should have been concerned before that because you would think 
Yeah, you would think. (laughs) (laughs) Sophie and Nathaniel aren't the only creatures who need to stay clear of the congregation. It's a good thing Matthew and Diana are safely in 1590, not here. Sarah was grim. But the longer those two stay in the past, the more likely they'll change the present, Emily observed. Sooner or later, Diana and Matthew will give themselves away. And then Mm -hmm. Isabel's like, well, what do you mean? And she goes on to explain time has to adjust and not in just the melodramatic way that people think with wars averted and presidential elections change, it will be little things like this note that pop up here and there. Isabeau says anomalies. Philippe was always looking for anomalies in this world. It is why I still read all the newspapers. It became our habit to look through them each morning. Now, she didn't know why he was looking But she had to know something was going on all of a sudden when he's all of a sudden pouring through all the newspapers or did he do it every day anyway? I don't know. Did he explain anything? She knew it was strange, but she couldn't figure out why it was. Yeah. And I think she thought he was being Philippe, too. I mean, and I thought it was funny. Philippe was worried about children, what children would learn in the future, because he certainly wasn't impressed with (laughs) Diana not knowing any of his languages or stories. or (laughs) This is true. So he endowed colleges for women. And then Isabel says, I always thought that was strange. Emily's like he was looking for Diana. Perhaps, Isabel replied. She smiled sadly. He loved his mysteries and said that if it were possible, he would like to be a detective like Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> and that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yes. Makes you wonder how many of those, how good a friends he was with uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, it made, me, it made me laugh. I mean, that makes me laugh. The hat, the picturing Philippe yeah. with the Sherlock Holmes hat, but it made me laugh because this is where I found the trilogy based on the description in People magazine. And I thought that Matthew and Diana were like a Sherlock and Holmes <laughs> trying to find the uh-huh. manuscript. And obviously I was completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh, well, look at what you got sucked into. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm surprised they didn't get into a fight about the tea again, too, to be honest with you. Yeah. Did they bring up the tea? They didn't bring up the tea. No, they did didn't. They? I mean, when well, they were going I, on about yeah. not telling Matthew about the baby and this and that and the other thing, I'm surprised that the next stone throne wasn't the damn tea. The Mart, damn tea. But Mart was conveniently absent, so she didn't have to stifle any oops. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah, Sarah knew about that tea. I'm that's surprised true. she didn't bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's exactly. Sarah was not happy about it when, when she found out about it. I'm surprised she didn't bring it up again. The damn tea. I hear you, Sarah. Jesus. <laughs> they go on. We need to make sure we notice any, the, any of these little time bumps before the congregation does, says Sarah. And then Isabel's like, I will tell Marcus. And then Sarah, because she's Sarah, you should have told Matthew about that mixed species baby. <laughs> and she was unable to keep the note of recrimination from her voice. Well, that's my Sarah. <laughs> and then uh, Isabel says, my son loves Diana, and if he had known about the child, Matthew would have turned his back on her rather than put her and the baby in danger. Sarah is like, uh, bishops aren't so easily cowed, Isabeau. If Diana wanted your son, she would have found a way to have him. And it just seems like a back and forth, back and forth. They're just going back. You know. It's, <laughs> right. And it is only it's, a span of 40 days. I mean. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It's kind of exhausting. Right. And it's, it's right. exhausting to think about Matthew having one more thing hanging on him. Yeah. Emily comes in. Well, Diana did want him and they have each other now. We're going to have to share this news not only with them, but Sophie and Nathaniel will have to mm-hmm. know too. And also Marcus. Sarah and Emily leave the library. Um, they were staying in Louisa's old room, just like Diana. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I wonder Which is if, cool. if the time was spooling when Diana was in that room, when they yeah. were in. Yeah. 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 Sarah thought that there were times of day when it smelled a bit like Diana. That's because she was in the room in a parallel timeline. Right. <laughs> like I'm all time smart all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, Isabel remained after they had gone. She gathered the books and she reshelved them. She's basically tidying up after her mess. And then yes. she hadn't revealed what the rest of the letters said. She re- reread the final lines. But enough of these dark matters. You must keep yourself safe, too, so that you can enjoy the future with them. It has been two days since I reminded you that you hold my heart. I wish I that I can do so every moment so that you do not forget it or the name of the man who will cherish yours forevermore. Filippos. Oh, so sad. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> in the last days of his life, there had been moments where Philippe couldn't remember his own name, let alone hers. And then uh, Isabel whispers into the night, thank you, Diana, for giving him back to me. And several hours later, Sarah is like listening to a strange sound overhead like music, but more than music. She stumbled out of the room like I can only imagine Sarah does (laughs) to find Mart in the hall wrapped in an old chenille uh, bath robe with frog with the frogs on them yes, <laughs> the frogs. Um, with a bittersweet expression on her face and then sarah asks mart what is that and then mart says isabeau singing again she has only done so once since philippe died and that's when your niece was in danger and needed to be pulled back into this world and then uh, sarah says is she all right and mart nodded the music is a good thing it's a sign that her mourning may at last be coming to an end only then will isabeau begin to live again the two women vampire and witch listen until the final notes of isabeau's song faded into silence and that's it that ends yeah. this chapter that, discussion that was uh, the last part of a Greek, ancient Greek funeral was the lamentation, which she refused to do because I don't think she wanted to accept he was dead until that moment. The finality. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we didn't throw it in the freezer, guys. We should have. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll go shove it in the freezer now. <laughs> we powered through it. Come on. We did good. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. So sad. And here we are again. We said endings, beginnings change. And now we're here at an ending and we're going to have a new beginning, the next recording with London and the Blackfriars. Yes. It is just getting good. Better and better. Oh, I know. And demented hedgehogs. thanks for cheering us up there angela that was good thank you thank you thank you excellent job angela all right so guys so we have anything else to pick apart these two chapters no No, we're good all right so this ends this chapter discussion and now we're going to go on to housekeeping brought to you by dora flores ryan thank you dear dora thanks dora thank you dora housekeeping who wants to start with the housekeeping? I'll start with housekeeping from Steven. Oh, 
Stephen. He says, delicious Yay. demons. I finished listening to the one with the baggage on my morning commute today. Thank you for the mention during the Facebook discussion. I had forgotten that I told you that I joined that, primarily to stay in touch with Discusser News. This podcast triggered my thoughts on time walking, and I have a theory around the final days of Philippe. I'm happy for Uh-oh. you to save this for later, the Book of Life, Chapter 3, or use it earlier. Number one, if a certain female time walking witch in the future made daily visits to set tour in 1945 to spend time with Philippe in his dark times, said witch would have no memory of these trips in 2010, when she was given the last letter from Philippe on her return from 1590 to the present time. A future Diana could also have time walked to uh, Helm or Chalm in 1945 using the disguising spell to appear like the other female detainees. At the time, she could have been the witch that scrambled most of Philippe's memories before Benjamin and later Matthew could read them from Philippe's blood. Regards, uh, Stephen. Oh my God, my head just blew apart. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, though. It gets us thinking. Oh, so was it Diana that scrambled his memories? Uh, except for the fact that the witch hung themselves. Uh, wow, that's wow, where we wow. got tri- we got tripped <laughs> up on that. It's like, uh, and Deb gave the old keep things simple. It's like, okay, you're going to need a body to fake her death, and nothing's are getting too complicated. Yeah. yeah. Or it's so. one, hum- I mean, I'm not going to go against what Deb said, but it, it could be a huge yeah. disguising spell. Could you do that? <laughs> I guess so. She can do whatever she wants. She's a a universe master here, you know? Right, exactly. (laughs) Project an image of a witch hanging herself? Possibly. But I do like that we are putting the pieces together that we never had before. So we figured out last episode about Philippe learning the method to extract his memories. And then Stephen has these interesting theories. Uh And then the foreshadowing with with the triangle and the prince up at the temple, too. All right, I'll go now next. Um, This is from Ivana. Hello, Ivana. She says, I see Matthew is highly traumatized, suffering from something like a vampire version of a complex PTSD, especially after reading this chapter. And she's talking about, I forgot what episode that was. This is when we were talking about Blanca and Lucas in the church and everything like that. She's responding to that. episode. The one with the baggage. Uh, Yeah. Yes, the baggage. This was my initial thought. And this gets stronger with each reread. I think that it was a combination of the loss in Blanca and Lucas being turned, his work as the family assassin, and certainly assisting Philippe to die that has contributed to the state. Certainly his self-loathing, difficulty with emotions, though partly accounted for by blood rage, poor concentration difficulties with trust and shame and guilt all fit into the clinical picture of CPTSD. I think this diagnosis can encompass the depression, a Additional and regulatory difficulties for Matthew show signs of. So I guess I'm suggesting that seeing Matthew as unable to sort himself out, just obsessed with ideas and dark things, might be to underplay the horror of what he's been through and the psychological devastation it has left him. Also, while I completely agree that Matthew has a tendency to fashion a tale to suit his purpose, my feeling is that this is not what he has done with regards to his account of his time in a relationship with Blanca. The detail provided about Blanca, the tone, the setting, for me, all suggests that as hard as it has been for Matthew to accept, this was probably a reasonably accurate account. No doubt this account is bathed with Matthew's guilt, self-loathing, and ongoing anguish, but my sense is that he didn't see it that 
that way until he was turned and looked for explanations for punishment. Then he came to face and regret the type of person he was. I think that history and realization is a major part of his reluctance with Diana at this stage. He fears he will fall into patterns of selfishness and possibly even abuse her. Of course, he's also adding into that his worries about the combination of mating and blood rage. Anyway, these are just a couple of ideas, views I wanted to pose. Dissenting views are welcome. A gazillion thanks and demon kisses to you all. Ivana. Thank you. Thank you, Ivana. I'm okay with that. I mean, yeah, sounded good to me. (laughs) I mean, there's all sorts of factors why Matthew is like he is. And I think he's Catholic. <laughs> that that is the root. That is yeah, the root. it's traumatizing in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Catholics, no angry emails, please. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Jean, what do you have? Oh, Angela gets to live another week. Oh, yay! It's <laughs> another five star review, and it's from SF Girl ninety nine on Apple Podcasts from the USA. Apple Pie. These sassy and saucy lady demons bring fun and interesting insight to the All Souls world. Their passion, humor, and knowledge all combine into a rollicking ride of a podcast. They not only speak to the books, but have regular updates on everything going on in the All Souls world and have delivered in creating the best podcast out there for these amazing stories. In the All Souls world, you learn that names are important. Valerie, strong, valiant. Jean, gift from God. Angela, messenger of gods. Net, net, you want these women as your friends and boy, do they deliver with this podcast. A plus plus. Demon kisses. Melanie. Thank, Thank you, Melanie. Melanie. That is just Melanie. wonderful. Thank you. The oh. names, though. She looked up our names. How sweet. I know. That was so cool. Thank you. Thank you. Keep them coming, people. We love yes. reviews. We're down. I think Gotta Melanie, keep Angela alive. Yeah. I think we're down. So she was the last one we got. So, you know, please help us. Help Angela. We're losing her. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to fade. It's She's like in, it's, it's like in uh, Back to the Future when Marty's fading. Oh, no. He's oh, yeah. <laughs> He's all looking at his hand and can see through it. Yes, yes, exactly. All right, let's move it along. We have a save it for the show. You guys, are you ready? I'm ready. Yes, we are. Bring it. Today's save it for the show is brought to you by Teresa Morrow. Thank you, Teresa. Thanks, Teresa. Thank you, Teresa. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. The topic of this episode, save it for the show. The cast is the cast is the cast. Cast. No amount of Facebook debating will change that. Who wants to tackle this one? Who wants to start? It's a done deal, people. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. The the, the ink is dry on the contract. Yeah. (laughs) The film is in the can. Yes, exactly. So um, uh, let me give some backstory what brought this on. On our Facebook page, I believe it was you, Angela, who posted all the pictures of the uh, previews, the cast list. I think there are just like screenshots of the the website, right? Uh, No, from the Sky Catalog, the preview, the promo, the promo material, the promo material. So that got a lot of likes and attention and everything. But someone decided and, you know, someone decided to post on that post. I'm sorry, guys. This is not my Matthew. Um, okay. <laughs> you know? Well, first, everyone, regardless of whether you want Matthew good or someone else, it's our Matthew, the Matthew in your head is going to be completely different from whoever would have been cast. Likely. Exactly. Yeah, whoever. And you have not even seen him be Matthew yet. 
So there's that. I have to say that back when we were doing Armitage for Claremont, we'll dial time back about four months prior to that. Yes. Valerie did not see Richard Armitage as Matthew Claremont. Ew, that was Valerie's attitude. But I converted when I saw him in action. And I converted with Matthew Good when I saw him in action. I'm like, he could pull this off. He will pull it off. Just his voice. Yes. Everything about him. I think, you know, there are a couple things that I would change about him. But I think once we see him fully embrace and take on this role, I think. And if you don't come on board and you're that stubborn, then maybe you shouldn't watch it or just, you know, fast forward through the areas where he's at and pretend your own guys there. Which is kind of like the whole show. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like you can fast forward through Tristan as Baldwin. I mean, (laughs) or if you're good with Photoshop, you can go through each frame and put your own personal Matthew on there. (laughs) (laughs) Glue the head on. Yeah. You know, do whatever you have to do. But um, if you cannot picture it, then no amount of posting that on Facebook is going to make that better for you. It's just going to make you vent and it's going to make other people upset. It is. Including Deb. Yeah. Well, yeah. The chief in charge said that uh, he's her Matthew. Yeah. So it is what it is. And you're just going to have to make a personal decision whether to keep the book Matthew in your head and separate the two. You can have two Matthews. You can have a book Matthew and you can have an on-screen Matthew. It's fine. It's a good the thing. Sto- the these stories are two different diverge. projects. Yeah. The stories are yeah. going to diverge a little. So the Matthew's going to diverge a little. So just yeah. exactly handle it. And it, you got to just be objective. You can't say he's that's not how he was described in the books. I mean, he is, you know, maybe not to you, but to someone else, it's exactly exactly how he is described in the book. I saw pictures of Matthew Good being floated around like four or five years ago when he, I, I think in the last five years, he's really aged because aged he looked like a, a child. Way. Yeah, yes. in a good way. Yes. He, he's matured a lot in the way he looks because telling you five years ago, he looked like he was 12. He was like the karate yes. kid. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the, guy, the guy's 50 and still looks 20, you know, or, or 15. But yeah. he's actually matured and has, you know, filled out and just, you know, yeah, came, come into yeah. his own. He has. He has. So when I saw pictures when uh, Deb first announced it last year in August and I saw pictures of him, I'm like, oh, that's not the Matthew Good I remember. But I was looking at pictures five years prior when yes. the whole Warner Brothers thing was out. I was like, nah, yeah. that kid looks like he's a young adult star. What are you talking about? But right. we could be yeah. wrong. We were. So I don't know. I don't even know what to say about this. I guess it's, it's just I think the thing that struck me about it so hard is it's like it's eight months after the fact yeah where have you been (laughs) really this this is not this is this debate was eight months ago why are we why are we rehashing this now yeah but okay i get it it's like maybe this person felt the need to speak out then they've held their tongue enough and they're gonna say something on her facebook page on that particular maybe she said it then and now maybe she said it then and now and it hasn't been able to move on but it is what it is yeah it is what it is i left it there we didn't comment or anything like that it it is what it is it's just yeah and i think plenty of matthew good fans came on and defended him (laughs) so they didn't need our help My caution with that is, too, is like, we're not all going to agree on everything. Just don't turn it into a lynch mob, please. Right. And we haven't, we don't even, we don't even know where, when it's airing in the U.S. or what channel it's airing in the U.S. or if it's even airing in the U.S. So it hasn't even happened yet. Don't say, say such a thing. Oh, hush my mouth. I will. I won't. Shush your mouth. (laughs) It will air in the U.S. on HBO, like you said. That's just my guess. (laughs) 
It's a total and, guess, and people, and we, really. We think that we know they not. haven't lined up, but and you, Jean, you say May? Yeah, it's your yeah, up front are in May, so if we should yeah. know soon. Yeah, so we shall see, we shall see. Crossing fingers. Anyway, anybody else have anything else to say about that? Mm. Save it for the show. No. That is that. That is say. that. The cast is the cast is the cast, and that is that is that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Give it a chance. So, on that note, I guess we can take a break and do Angela's favorite last thoughts and things we can't let go of. (laughs) Find this show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Contact us. We are at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 360-519-7836. Or leave us one on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Hit us up on social media, and we are at Demons Discuss or at Demons Domain. Join our Facebook group, Demonic Discussers. The keys to get in are in the show notes. And if you're listening on your mobile device, click the description. It'll be there, too. Become a discusser. And there are two ways to do that now. And if you're in the U.S., text A-D-O-W as an ADAL, as in a Discovery of Witches. So text A-D-O-W to 444-999 or visit demonsdiscuss.com scroll down fill out the form and spam our code and that's it you're a discusser visit our main site demonsdomain.com to see what we're up to and if you like what you hear leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. keep angela alive I don't know why I'm thinking of last thoughts. If we had a theme song for last thoughts, it'd be to the rhythm of white lines. White lines are but white oh, yeah. lines. It'd be <laughs> last thoughts running through my mind. I so want to use that. <laughs> oh my God. That's even great. Even with our Patreon patrons, we can't even afford that license. So, <laughs> God, that's so true. <laughs> last thoughts. <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs> uh, I'll put a link in the show notes so people can listen to that song legally. Right. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's, and, and there's more than one version of it, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, Gene, you have last thoughts. What's my, my last thought? My last thought is time is flying by. <laughs> It's going to be August before you know it. I know. I know. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, not looking forward to being on the East Coast and all that humidity in August. Oh, God. Right when you're sick of summer. Oh, God. Not sick of summer, but you need a a reprieve from the heat. You won't get one. Yeah. No. And remind me why this didn't happen in September. Philadelphia in September would have been okay, I think. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of Philadelphia, I, I, we may have something up our sleeve as far as, a fun venue. Fun venue. And then we'll leave it at that. Or Demon, demon Mischief. Ah, got it. Mm. Um, are we doing a demon hour there? I don't know yet. We'll we see. Hmm. We will see. We shall see. Angela, shall I come back to you? No. Or do you have a last one? I kind of, my last thought is just to latch on to, I, I don't know, was the after show or the the last thought of last episode it was the Ben Franklin book report. And I keep thinking about it. And I'm, Jean is the master theory spinner. So I keep feeding her information about Ben Franklin. And she's coming up with like a fascinating story time. Like, Jean, story time, please. And she's, <laughs> she's spinning this theory that I love so much. And maybe we'll share it one day in an after show. Yeah, it's not quite, it's not not quite after show ready yet. We're still mixing it. It's not even baked yet. 
Right. We're working. We're working on the batter right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be an interesting after show. Be like, okay, Gene, spill it. <laughs> oh, it's gonna it's gonna be a good one. It's fully immersed in the All Souls universe too. I mean, it's a good. De- Deb has said he he's a good friend of Philippe, so we just went from there. And De- and like I said, yes. Gene is is running with it. <laughs> I found some good rabbit holes. Yeah. When don't you? You always <laughs> find the good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good for more than just a dick joke. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of the after show, we have quite a few after show asks that uh, we're going to be doing after we do this episode. So so if you want to hear all the the, uh, demon secrets, there's still time to sign up on Patreon. Oh, there'll always be time to sign up on Patreon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, So our after show is evolving into this weird... I don't even know how to describe this show. It's like, we'll talk about all souls, but then we veer and then we talk about our lives and then we veer and... it's funny because I just edited another one yesterday and I uploaded it and I was thinking, I was like, how do I even describe this episode? So I just picked out words. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, bounce Verbal checks. Vomit? Yeah. Bounce checks. Gladys and Dora. Oh, um, Gladys and Dora. Uh, I think we talked a little about uh, some all soulsy things in there, and then we ended it with some crazy shit. So, I mean, even if I did show notes, they wouldn't make sense. So, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's not even stream of consciousness; it's just blathering. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, our patrons seem to like it, so we're gonna keep them coming, and we will be doing episode five after this. So, patreoncom demons discuss. All of our patrons will have access to the after show. That is the basic yes. benefit of paying at least a dollar a month for now. And that the after show ask for people who don't aren't patrons or know what that is. It's you get to ask us stuff and we'll, oh, maybe yeah. we'll answer Which it. We may or may not answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So we have some asks and they're pretty good ones. So if you're interested in that and, you know, people ask us personal questions, people ask us fandom questions, people ask us uh, stuff about what what we know from way back when, when the fandom was tiny, all kinds of interesting things. Uh, we're getting ready to dig into our first batch of after show ass. So that'll be fun. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to do <laughs> that. Sure. For all of you out there, our public listeners, uh, you're not missing anything as far as uh, all, souls reg- news. all souls news and chapter discussions. We just save the superfluous stuff for the after show. So there it is. That's all I have for that. Um, I don't think we have any also. Oh, let me mention All Souls Con. If you can't be there this year, make sure you pick up a live streaming ticket. It is only $5 and you will get, I believe, both days of uh, All Souls Con. It will come straight to your laptop, desktop, uh, set top, whatever you're watching. Your mm-hmm. TV, you can stream it right into your TV set and watch and join in on All Souls Con right from your living room couch. So make sure you do that. Go to allsoulscon.org slant tickets to yeah. uh, check that out. And I think... At the time of this recording, they were at 50 tickets left for the, for people who actually, yeah, in person for people attending. If you're interested in that, same link, allsoulscon.org slash tickets. That's all I've got. 
Anything else, guys? All right. No, I think we're all set. I think we can crawl out of the freezer now. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, finally. Goodbye, everybody. Signing off. Demon kiss. We'll talk to you next time, guys. Mm Mm-hmm.